This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Paul Spade. This is a program called... Disappear Solutions. It's my pleasure, as always, to have in the studio the chief executive... Of Disappear Solutions from right here in Hawke's Bay, Megan Williams. How are you going, Megan? I'm going really well, Ken. How are you? Good, thanks. And very good to see you today on this beautiful Hawke's Bay day, Megan. And um, before we get into today's topics, which are many and varied, just remind our listeners what you're all about. Right. Well, our business, Dispute Solutions, is an alternative dispute resolution company, and we um, specialise in... Disputes. We're not a law firm, um, but what we try to do is we try to get um, a dispute resolution by um, a win-win, by mediation if we can. Um, Alternatively, if we need to be an advocate, we will be an advocate. And most of the work that we do is either HR um, and working with employers um, or um, other employment law, working with employees. And we also do a lot of ACC advocacy work. And we also do family dispute mediations, which are when couples need to sort out what's going to happen to the children to reach a sort of a settlement together before it goes to court or um, to try and prevent it from going Mm. to court. And also we do general mediations like company mediations, any sorts of mediations because we're trained in all those things. And you work both sides of the fence, don't you? You work for the employer and you will work for the employee. Doesn't whoever gets you first really, isn't it? In the employment situation and that part of the business, yes. Whoever whoever rings first. Sometimes you can um, you can sort of just go in early. Early intervention is the best and um, sort out both parties, help both parties to reach a solution. And if I reach a solution with you amicably between, say, you and my employer, um, is it binding? Well, it depends. If you both, um, if we write it down yeah. and you both sign it, yes, it's a contract. Yeah. <laughs> it's equivalent to a contract. The um, properties of a contract, there's five things that determine a contract, and that's offer, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is what do you think we do such and such. Acceptance, when the person says, yeah, that's called by me. So there's offer acceptance. Consideration. Now, the consideration is the thing, mm. is the thing that you're agreeing yes. to do, and, and it might be the money or it might be what you're going to be doing or it might be you're building a house or it could be it's consideration is the thing that you're, you're deciding. And the next thing is intent. And so the intent is if the parties intended to go into a contractual relationship, if they intend to both, in good faith, enter into this agreement. And then the fifth thing is whether you're capable of doing it, like if, whether, if you're a child underage, well then you're not, or if you're mentally impaired, well then you you might talk about capacity. Yes. You can't, you haven't really got the capacity to enter into it. Mm. So those are the five things: offer, acceptance, consideration, intent, and capacity. Yeah. Do those sort of contracts uh, are they ever are they f- finite, or does this go on forever unless you you make them finite? Well, you can do anything by agreement as long as it's lawful. Yes. So if you enter into employment agreement. And I mean, you know, you know, you have to have by law in New Zealand. You've got to have a written employment agreement if you're going to be employed. And you can't just wander in if you're doing something for somebody and they're paying you. That's an employment agreement. You mm. can't just say, "Oh no, we just had a friendly little chat," yeah. you know, da da da. And people still do that. Yeah, that goes on. Um, but you're not, you not, you can't. And and since the year 2000, you had to have a written employment agreement. And nowadays, if an employer hasn't written a written and given the 
the people um, in a Britain Employment Agreement to sign, they could be fined $20,000. Um, now, that agreement can be changed by agreement. Mm-hmm. Yes. So further down the track, if there's things that you want to change, both parties can put to the other party, I want these terms changed. Mm. Now, they can be changed by agreement, but the terms that are being changed must be lawful. Yes. So you can't just say, well, you know, I want to, um, you know, I don't, I want to do something, you know, anything yeah, that's lawful. Yeah. So, so for an employment situation, which we're talking about, it would have to still adhere to the Employment Relations Act. So the employer would still be have to have to be acting in good faith, Section Four, where they have to act in good faith. And so you can't just change the employment agreement and say to the person, "Well, um, you're now going to be working in, in a room." with no um, air in it and, and, and in the black with no light on, you yeah. know, so, something that, you know, <laughs> yes. so just completely not fair and reasonable. So, um, but you can change the terms. Now, um, sometimes an employer will try and change the terms. For instance, the hours, they might want to cut back the hours. Mm-hmm. And if the employee doesn't want to have those hours cut back, because they, they say they've been doing 35 hours a week, and that's how much they're getting paid, and that's what they're relying upon, and they've bought a house, so they're mortgaged, or they've rented a house, so their rent is a certain amount of money. And then all of a sudden the employer comes and says, it was fair enough, the employer might not be able to pay them for 35 yeah. hours anymore. So they've come and they've said, look, we're going to cut back your hours, we're only, we're only going to give you 20 hours from now on. And here it is in the agreement, sign this piece of paper to say that you're happy with that. Well, the employee may be happy with that, but if they're not happy with that, well, those are the terms of the employment agreement mm. have changed to their detriment, which could be a personal grievance if they're forced to do it. Mm. But in actual fact, if they don't want to do it, well, then that position becomes redundant. Yes. And so therefore they then go down the redundancy process, mm. which must mean consultation, etc., etc. So sometimes people don't realise that. I'll, I've had phone calls from very distraught employees saying that, look, they've cut back my hours and now I can't survive. Now, sometimes you'll get an employment agreement which has 20 hours, but for months and months and months and months and months, or years maybe, they've been working 35 Mm. hours. So, of course, again, they've adjusted their life with that amount of income. And so... They, cut, they would come to me and say, oh, they've cut them back to 20 hours, and look, they've said that they can because it's in my employment agreement. Well, there's several issues there. A, they have agreed to it, and um, B, you then look at what's fair and reasonable. Mm. I mean, if the person has been working for 18 months on the 35 yeah. hours, is it reasonable for that? Because it suited the employer yes. then, but is it fair and reasonable to then cut them back to those 20 hours? Because what has it set, Well, has it set a precedent? Yes. So you would then, if that's a situation where you might go to mediation mm. and you might try and nut it out. Um, because and, and you may find that the person then has to become redundant, you know. So those it's not necessarily black and white in a situation like that. But would you that precedent hold through. hold up? It could, it could. If the if you'd have to take each case. Yes. Um, but usually, if a person's been working sort of for eighteen months for on thirty five hours, um, if I was the person, I would have gone to the employer and said. My employment agreement says I only have to work 20 hours. Um, you've, you've had me working 35 hours. I want to work 35 hours because that's what I've bought my house under the conditions or mm. rented my, my apartment, um, paying my rent under those conditions. Could you please change these terms in my employment agreement? So the owners can be on both parties. Sure. 
Um, and a lot of people don't realise that. You, your employment agreement and employment situation is sort of your Bible that you go by. And that's the first thing I ask when I have an employment situation. You know, can I have a look at your employment agreement? Can a, a contract be used by an employer, just being devil's advocate here, can it be used by an employer, for instance, that's a good example, to change the hours to get rid of someone because you know that they need to say they need 35 hours and well, you feel like this position now doesn't warrant 35 hours I think it only needs 25 hours so take it or leave it well, no, because that would be then, if, it depends what's on the contract, but if it says 20, well, then you, you know, both parties sort of at a bit of a risk because yeah. the employee may, um, you, you could say to the employee, well, you signed 20 hours, the only, you yeah, know, we yeah. only ever agreed to pay you no, for 20 hours. No, but just say I had a contract for 35 hours, and then as you, as my employer, didn't like me anymore, and said, okay, well, geez, how are we going to get rid of him because uh, he's got a contract for 35 hours? I'll tell you what, let's renegotiate the hours and let's right, make it well, a 20 they would hour have to, contract. You would have to show that you were restructuring the company yes. and you would have to go through the correct uh, restructuring so process, redundancy process, and that's with consultation. And if you're asked the questions, you know, show us what's the reason. You've got to give yeah. a reason for a restructure, and usually the reason is financial. Yes. And so you'd have to show that... Um, you know, that, that there's some financial reason. Now, it may, you don't necessarily have to prove that you're not making enough money, You but you would have to show that you were restructuring, that you might be wanting to diversify into another product, mm-hmm. or you might be wanting to go down a different direction. Yeah. So, you, but, um, and that was the big, there was a big fuss about this when it first came in, because they said, well, hang on a minute, you know, you'd have to, do, you must disclose that it is genuine restructuring mm-hmm. and that you're not making nearly as much money, let's see your books. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was showing that yes well yes in actual fact if the union wanted to see the books you know they had a right to do that if that was what the reasoning they were giving for the restructure but often uh, you can restructure for other reasons you know often you find that somebody wants to bring their family member in or something like that you know because they've got a child that's grown up and they think oh well there's a good position here but oh golly Felicity she's working in that position what do we do here and so you've got to be a little bit careful with that you can't (laughs) make somebody you can't just kick someone out just because you don't like them anymore or you simply don't want them it's got to be fair and reasonable now, if you were doing that um, and, the, and you were restructuring, you, it would be the redundancy process and you, had to, you would have to consult, you'd have to you know, really talk through why it was happening and why the person didn't want you to make that position um, redundant. However, at the end of the day, it's your choice and you would have to be fair and reasonable and, and, and like give them their notice period, etc., yeah. etc. My advice is never to let an employee work out their notice period. Um, you can give them the option because they might have not told anybody that they're going to lose their job and they might yeah, want to sort of keep right. going. But um, you, it, it's not a good idea to have someone who's been dismissed continue working no. um, because, you know, you do feel a bit hurt Absolutely <laughs> right. when, when, you, when you know you haven't got a job. But sometimes people are quite happy, you know. I yeah. mean, and that's why it's important to consult when you're doing a restructuring if you're getting rid of someone. They might be quite happy yeah. to... I did a whole restructure through around the country for a company. It was a um, car parts company, and they were um, merging with. They bought another car parts company. So all around the country, there were two, two mm, establishments of everything. So they had to merge them. So we went all around um, doing this restructuring process and meeting with people and and deciding which people we were keeping, which people were making redundant. And I remember, I think it was Rotorua, there was a couple of brothers that had worked for this company, and they just said, oh, that's great, um, we want to go farming anyway, we're out of here. Yeah. And so we never needed to make any redundancies at all. So, you know, that's why the re- re- the consultation process is really, really important. You get a feel of what the people, what they're wanting to do with their lives, what you're wanting to do with the company, and if you can get a win-win, well, it's just, you know, yeah. it's, it's the optimum. 
as an employee, could you have it in the contract that just say, for example, I was working on 35 hours and then you decide that uh, as an organisation we can only afford 20, uh, therefore we're going to make the position redundant and, uh, and that, that there is good reason for doing that. Let's say, for example, could I have that in my contract that I am always going to be the first person to have that job back? It wouldn't be in your contract. Um, what you could do is you could d- discuss it um, and the person might say, well, you know, of course, you know, you'd be the first person. But usually that is not an agreement um, that, that can be made. Um, Why is you that? Can, uh, you can ask for it to be made. But if the person is a good worker, mm-hmm. of course they're going to be the first person that they ask because they've had all the training and yeah. know the experience, they know the culture, they're part of the culture. So you have a situation, especially I have had situations recently with COVID where people have been... Um, especially with this mandated situation mm. where they've been dismissed because they didn't want to have the vaccination. And so they have asked, well, look, when the mandate is wiped, we'll, we'll be the first person to come back. And the response has been, you have been trained. We don't really want to get rid of you, but legally we have to because mm. our clients are insisting on only people that have had the injections can come and work on their premises. So therefore we've got no other work, so mm. we're, put, we're, in a, you know, we're in a no-win situation. However, if the mandate is lifted um, and we can get you back, well, of course, we would be the that you know you'd be the first person because you've you've been we like you yeah. and you've been trained by us sure. and we and you know we obviously it'd be silly to get some new person. However, some there's no legal obligation to do that, mm. um, and the reason why I wouldn't advise anybody to do that is because you never know what may happen. You know, things may change. The company might take a different direction. The person may get another job that they'd have to you know. Leave. I mean. It just might not work out. You can't really foretell what's happening in the future. Mm. So usually, and people will often ask. In fact, as I say, just recently there has been situations like that. They say, "Look, when the mandate's lifted, can you can you give me first option back?" Now, if the employer wants to say, "Yes, I will," well, that's fine. Um, and if the other per- to actually make it binding, though, they would have to put it in writing. Yeah. And if they did ask for it in writing, and the and the employer was prepared to do that, fine. Yeah. And what's going to happen, though? I mean, I understand that the courts have recently decided that uh, the police and firemen, for instance, who might have lost their jobs because they refused to be vaccinated, um, they weren't legally terminated. I think it just it depends on the situation. The only ones I've had um, the redundant, been involved with mm. the redundancies have been... Um, in situations, one is in the health situation mm-hmm. where the government has mandated that all health care people, people in health organisations, must be vaccinated. And you can see why. Yeah, because, sure, absolutely. You know. yeah. And then the, um, the second one has been where the, the huge clients that this company um, worked for just said, carte blanche, we don't yeah. want people coming onto our premises unless they... And now, if you haven't got any other clients, because these... Are your only clients? Well, therefore, you haven't got anything for that, those unvaccinated people to do. So their positions do become redundant because not through any fault of the employer, but because the terms have changed, you know, through the law. But what happens if the uh, if if it's upheld that uh, that was dealt with incorrectly? What about all the other people? Is there a precedent set then that it's going to be huge? No, no. Um, well, evidently, it's it, it really is sort of a case by case. Yeah. They've been particular in those particular um, jobs because 
they are not like a small company that has, you know, they're not the health mm-hmm. side of things, and they're not like a small company that's going into the premises. Now, they might have to go into premises from time yeah, to time, but it's course. not the only job that they do. So that's why there would have been that, it would have been because it was, they were big and had lots of other things, you know, they, they weren't, mm. it's not fine-tuned as to what their job is. That's, a, that's a bit of a grey area, though, isn't it? Of course, of, I mean, okay, you know, so there's okay no doubt. Them, but it's not okay for me, so... That's right, that's right. And that's why, you know, there was a big fuss <laughs> down in Wellington. That's right. You know, so that's why people have... And there's, you know, I think you've got to have a certain amount of sympathy with people losing their jobs if they feel, rightly or wrongly. The part that I, I've heard some horrendous um, stories um, that, about what people have read on the internet, which make my hair stand on end, which I think are very, very sad mm. that they, that people have been pulled into a lot of um, misinformation, and I think that that is sad, and it's affected lives and it's affected families. Um, but you know, that's in this country. Yeah. Luckily, it's a free country, yeah, and you know they're allowed to believe right. what they want to believe. Um, we all have our own beliefs, and you yeah. know, but unfortunately, families, uh, people have lost their jobs, mm. and that's tragic. Yeah. Which is a good segue into what I wanted to ask you, not from my own point of view, but I was just wondering. So, for instance, just say um, I come to work for any reason, but it might be a COVID-related reason, and uh, the boss, you say to me, oh, Ken, um, I want you to go home because um, you've got a cough or whatever. And I say, yeah, well, I feel okay, but you say, no, I want you to go home because it might be COVID-related. If I haven't got any sick pay and I don't have any holidays... Are you then responsible to pay me because you, as the employer, are insisting on me going home and I'm happy to come to work? Well, um, the, in your employment agreement, the employer has promised to provide you with work. You've promised to work. They've promised to pay you for the work. Yeah. Okay, But there is a contractual relationship for them to pri- provide you with work. Now, if they're preventing you from going to work they would need to have a good reason. Mm -hmm. Now, that reason may well be because they think you've got COVID. But if you haven't got a medical certificate to say that you've got COVID and you haven't got a COVID test to say that you've got COVID and the Ministry of Health has not said you must go home because you have got Mm -hmm. COVID, well, then... If he wants you to go home, he I would suggest he has to pay. Oh, the first yeah. question I'd be asking if I was you was, are you going to pay me? Yeah. And if he says, no, 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 because you've got COVID, you've got to go home and isolate, well, then you would not be paid unless you had from the ministry and you were going to be able to get that money via the employer from the ministry to pay for when you're in isolation. Yeah. And so I'd be very careful about that because they could be detrimentally affecting you and that could be Absolutely. a personal grievance based on disadvantage in the workplace. So, you know, it's it's not as um, no, black not and white. No, it's not cut and dry. But, who's, right, but, who's wrong there, though? Well, he would have to have a good reason. Yeah. It's just like if you suspend somebody because you think they've, say you think that they've stolen some money, but mm-hmm. you're not really sure. Well, you're allowed to suspend, you know, based on, and you, you, when you suspend somebody from their job based on um, doing an investigation, yeah. you've got to go and say to them, look, we would like to suspend you because we would like to investigate the fact that we think you may have stolen some money. Um, this is what we, you know, we're just wanting you to agree to go home mm-hmm. just while we do this investigation. Um, now, that must be in the employment agreement that you have a right to suspend yes. because because that means you're not providing them with the work that you've promised to provide them with. So you still have to pay me if you suspend me. 
Yes, yeah. if you suspend. Um, within a period of time, um, usually in the employment agreement, it'll have sort of an amount of time, but it has to be fair and reasonable. Um, if the person chooses to stay home sort of a bit longer, or you know, while mm-hmm. they're they have to be a bit careful there. Mm-hmm. That's again, that's a bit of a grey area because a an employer can't suspend somebody and then stop paying them and muck around when they're doing the investigation. You know, the, the, what it should be is the person may be suspended, and that's legal if it's in the employment mm-hmm, agreement, sure. as long as it's done properly, consulted properly, so they know why they're going home. They're paid while they're suspended, and the investigation is done quickly, so as they then, because they have to be part of that inter, um, interview, as part of that investigation. They can't just be sure. forgotten about and interview all the other people that's, I saw them stealing yeah, that money, right. you know, or, you know, yeah. while you're looking at the CT... Um, the cameras, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you have to, yes, you have to be, um, you have to be a little bit careful. But and you can't. Um, sometimes in the government departments, people are suspended for actually ages, yeah, and they're right. on full pay, and yeah. it really amazes me. You know, there's a taxpayer there. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would be my rights here, though? I mean, for instance, just say you're suspended because you thought that was happening, and um, you couldn't find any proof. I might have only been off work for a week, let's say, for instance. But just say I was part of a big company. Everyone would know that I was. Suspended because they thought I'd been had my fingers in the till. Um, would I then have a right, or would I have a personal grievance? And because you've maligned my reputation, could I? Could I? Sue well, if you have suffered humiliation, loss yeah. of dignity, and injury to feelings, which you would. Um, well, yes. So you can then you could possibly have a personal grievance. It would depend because it, by you'd go to mediation with mm. that, and you um, would then put your side of the argument, and then the other person, the, the employer, said, "Well, look, we had good grounds to suspect that." So it would depend on the circumstances entirely on whether, but. If the employer had just sort of just sort of had this, you know, were just picking on yeah. them, yes, they yeah. would have a personal grievance. But if they were, um, the cam- the CT cameras saw the person there, saw sure. the person in the with their fingers in the till, um, because people will often say if they are stealing something, they'll say, well, I was just replacing, um, I'd just borrowed five dollars, I was just putting it back in the till or something, you know, yeah, they yeah, have. Yeah. But but and it might be genuine, and that's why it's got to be investigated properly mm. because somebody might have might have given someone change out of their own pocket because there wasn't enough change, and then they replaced yeah. it, you know, put five dollars out of the till back in their pocket because and because that would look as if they were yeah. so you know that's that's got to be. Um, investigated properly. Yeah, it's a, it must be a, a quagmire. It must be like a quicksand. Well, for it you. doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, um, if we're looking at contracts, who are contracts really? in the favour of the employer or the employee or can there be ironclad both sides of the Well I think you've got to be a bit careful in the big company. Say something like couriers or something like that where you've got lots of people um, not necessarily trained going into a job, they get given this agreement, the the courier company wants somebody quickly um, or or a security company, that's a classic case where they want someone, oh there's nobody, everyone's got COVID and we can't, we've got nobody to do the security work tonight, you know we want some people, you know so you, you but that's so unfair because the people have got to have time to go and look at that contract because they are signing on to a whole lot of things sure. that they need to be aware that they're signing on to. And so um, as far as the, the, in that case, well, then, yeah, the employer has a lot more power if the person's sort of desperate mm. for a job. Um, but in other cases, legally, they're supposed to, because they, they sign to say that they yeah. have given the person the opportunity to go away and if they want to, have somebody like me check the agreement. And when I'm given an agreement to check, I go through all the clauses, and they usually write a little list, you know, clause one, fine, clause two, be careful of this because blah, 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 clause three, da, da, da. You know, and I go right through all the different clauses, and it's it's amazing how people just aren't aware really what mm. they mean. For instance, a classic thing for this 
is when they're signing in their employment agreement, they're signing to agree all the policies and procedures of the company. So I say to my client when they come back, when I'm giving them the piece of paper when I've been through the contract, I say, now, where are the policies and procedures? And they look blankly at me. And I say, they say, I don't know. And I say, yes, well, well, that's you're fine. signing. Yeah, you're exactly. It could be anything in those policies and procedures. And also in the agreement, it'll have, and we can change the policies and procedures whenever we want to. Yeah. So, so you're signing on to something that you haven't the foggiest idea what it is. Yeah. And that always worries me. So, uh, I mean, that's probably a, a universal thing. So how do you get around that? Well, I, when I go, when I tell the people to go back and because you know if they haven't yeah. signed it yet and they're going back to their employer to try and negotiate, um, I say to them, you know, I need to know what the policies and procedures are, and, and I usually put the little thing after consultation. Yes. So if you know we can, we agree to go abide by all the policies and procedures, any changes in the policies and procedures after consultation because and usually employer would would you know would agree to that because if you're going to change the policy and procedures it's only fair that you tell the staff that you're doing yeah. that but you'll find they sometimes they don't you know that's just but going back to the security um things you'll you'll find that they'll um the per, the people will often just go desperately because they want want the job mm. and then when they go back after going home and reading the contract they've already started working read the contract and then want to go and change some of the things because you know you often find that they then won't won't even negotiate won't even sort of yeah. engage with them and that's that's a real worry just got about one more minute to go before we get out of here one clause which always amuses me and it's even in our contracts here is that it's, and it almost says and I'm just paraphrasing the wording but it says and anything else that the company right. decides now that's that you in will the do. job that's in the job description yeah. and that the reason for that is very important because um, if there was a fire here in the studio and we needed you all to come in to help clean it out or um, there was a situation where you for, for some reason were needed to do some other things mm-hmm. that were that were beyond on your job description well then the employer needs to be able to ask the staff, you know, and mm-hmm. obviously um, if you want, if, if we were saying, now we want you to clean out the studios and that went on for six months, well then yeah. you would say, hang on a minute, yeah. that's not in my job description. But you might say, well, it's this here and anything else. Yeah, that's right. But for a short period of time, you could then, I mean, because it says that, you couldn't then come and say, look, no, I'm not, you know, I know you've had a fire, but I'm not, that's not my job. I'm not yeah, going home. That's right. You know, yeah. so it's got, it's sort of, you Within know, reason, remember, yeah. remember section four, employer must work in good faith mm-hmm. and the whole relationship is in good faith and employee must obey. Mm. Now, I know that sounds really crazy, but, you know, in sometimes in an employment situation, you might have to ask your staff to do things that, you know, might be sort of pushing the wheelbarrow yeah. as long as it's a short period above, of time. Yeah. That's right. And so you don't want to be have the staff sort of, within reason, of course, you don't want to have the staff saying, nah, that's not yeah. in my job description, exactly. I'm not going to do that, and just sit and laugh at you because there might be a situation when you're running a business where things might, you know, might sort of change. Yeah. Uh, good on you, Megan. Uh, we out of time. If we want to get hold of you for any reason whatsoever, how do we do that? Okay, you ring 0687856607. Um, our office is opposite the Baby Factory in Bed Bath Beyond in Suite 2115 Avenue Road East Hastings. My pleasure, as always. You look after yourself. We'll talk to you same time, same place next time. Take care, Ken. Thanks. Bye-bye. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.